Hi again, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Financers. Today on the podcast, we have Mike Callahan and Eric Sachetta, who are both financial advisors with us. And then you have me, Matt Stead. I will be your host for the day and I guess all the other podcasts too. So today we want to focus on the idea of raising your children in a financially responsible way and helping them learn along the way and things of that nature. So Mike is going to start us off with why we wanted to talk about that and maybe the first topic of interest. Yeah, I think, you know, like anything else, parenting, I have two young kids, Eric has a, has a couple of young kids, you know, as every parent knows, you, you pretty much just wing it, right? Like none of us know what we're doing, right? It's, it's, we're all just kind of doing our best and we're hoping it all works out and, and, you know, we won't know for a while, but we're, we're trying our best. So that being said, the purpose is essentially just to kind of go over a few things that we think might be helpful in, you know, kind of helping your kids get off on the right foot. One of the things that we've found over the years is financial education is probably one of the most lacking skills that there is, right? Is nobody teaches you how to handle your money when you're a kid. Nobody teaches you how to do it in college. Nobody teaches you how to do it in real life. You're just on your own to figure it all out. And to kind of help with that, trying trying to educate people when they're in college is almost too late, right? Because their experiences with money when they're young and all those kinds of things, and as they're growing up, have already kind of formed their ideas around money. So, you know, even even trying to get to kids when they're in college and trying to show them the right way to handle money and credit cards and all these things is probably too late to do it, which which brings us back to, you know, like I say, kind of starting early and, and having a few things that you can do with your kids to try to at least give them the, the basics of finance and how money works and and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, I always thought it was crazy that even in like, you know, elementary, well, maybe elementary is too early, but middle school and high school, there were never any classes. I mean, maybe maybe a while back in home ec, it was part of home ec, but th- th- that's since gone. There's no, there's no curriculum or education around money and finances. So it's really left up to the, to the parents to kind of take the reins on that one. Yeah, it, it's kind of crazy. And, and to Mike's point, I think it's almost, we're going to tell you a few strategies, but it's almost more important that you do something in terms of education and some strategy to work with kids on learning this stuff because, you know, the younger someone is that they learn something, usually the the easier it, it sticks. And I know this is like kind of a completely unrelated topic, but my family and I, we, we travel a lot, obviously not as much with the pandemic, but we have a four-year-old and the next time we fly, it'll be his 49th and 50th flight and he's only four years old. And every time we fly, he gets compliments on how well he does and all this stuff or whatever. But to him, it's like, well, as soon as I could walk, I also went on planes. This is what you do. You sit here for a while. You go somewhere. You go to a hotel. Like, it, whatever you teach your kids is like the the things that the the habits they form and also what they observe around. So my point is, as long as you're you're teaching them something, they're going to you know have a better understanding than all of us did when when they. They were younger. So here's one thing I was thinking in terms of getting started with with young kids is, uh, and I had actually heard this quite a while ago, but the idea is, you know, you have kids do chores or something around the house, you give them some money and you give them the, the cash and you have envelopes. And the idea that had been brought up is having one which is spending, like you can go to the store and spend on whatever you want, saving, so you're gonna save it for some period of time, and the other one is, you know, 
contribution or charity or something and, and teaching them those three buckets right from the get-go from when they're little kids. And once they have enough money to get something they want, going to the store or actually having them go, you know, give the money to the charity or meet whoever it is that it's getting the money. And then also kind of showing them where, where you're saving the money for them. It's kind of the whole thing we teach with with clients that are adults, right? You know, live for today, save for tomorrow, contribute to society. Absolutely. And like you said, I mean, kids just pick up on this stuff and then it becomes just how things work, right? They don't think of it as, oh, I have to remember that I'm supposed to do this. It's just that's how it works, right? They don't, it, it becomes second nature. And, you know, my kids are uh, seven and, and four and a half, almost five. And, you know, we've kind of been trying to do something similar. You know, my daughter, who's the, the older one, She'll have a little bit of money from whatever birthdays or something like that. And she'll go to Target and we'll say, you know, you have X dollars to spend and she'll spend the time trying to figure out what she wants. And, the, you know, the 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 greatest joy as a parent is when they look at something and say, I don't think I'll play with this enough, so I'm not going to buy it, <laughs> you know, and, and realize that yeah. that would be a waste of money. So I'm not going to do it. I mean, it's I guess that's when you know it's working. She should talk to Logan because he my son, because he's never said that. <laughs> <laughs> Well, my, my little guy, Jack, he hasn't either, yeah. but you know, the, with age they'll, they'll figure it out. But right. you know, the other thing is like you say, the, the, the charity piece is a big one, right? I mean, we've made a point of when they get to the point that they don't play with certain toys, we'll kind of set them aside for a while. And if nobody misses them, we'll say, okay, you know, these are the things we're going to donate to people who, who will use them because you guys, you know, have outgrown them or whatever. And it's kind of gotten to the point now where even Jack, who's four and a half, He'll literally find a toy that he hasn't played with in a while and bring it up and say, hey, we should donate this. I don't play with it anymore. Mm-hmm. You know, and again, it, 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 it makes you happy that they understand that that's a, a nice thing to do. But it also makes you happy in the sense that it understa- they understand that, you know, there is there is value to things and things just don't show up, you know. And as a kid, that's the hardest thing to, to figure out because things do just show up. <laughs> You know, that's from their perspective. That's how stuff happens. If you need if you need something, it it appears. So, yeah, I I mean, and that goes back to what you were just saying earlier about your, you know, your times when you go to Target. And again, as a caveat, I I don't have any kids myself, so I'm just kind of basing it off what I see with you guys and other people around me. But it, it seems that when you go to Target and you just they say, okay, you can just pick out a toy. They, they don't place any value on it because they look at the entire shelf and totally. just say, okay, I could just have any toy I want and mom and dad are going to pay for it. But when you say, okay, here's $20 and you say you can pick out a toy, but it has to fit within the budget, they now see that as so much more value because they're like, oh, you know, I, I'm picking this out. I'm, well, I'm paying for it, but mom and dad are really paying for it. But I don't know. It To me, it just seems like s- such a more educational thing than just going to the toy store and picking something out. Well, and even just the idea that like, you know, one of these is worth two of these. Right. You know what I mean? That, that everything has a, a different price and not everything is just a toy. Right. You know what I mean? There's, or even, there's different level, there's different prices and different even things to consider. When you go to like the supermarket or something, it can teach them, you know, if you, if you give them $2 to buy a bag of candy and they, they see, Oh, well I could get one bag of name brand candy or I could get two bags of store brand candy for the same price it, it kind of teaches them budgeting and how to stretch a dollar and all that stuff that's true unless it tastes slightly different in which case they won't eat it yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, I would say the other thing also why this is so important not just not just for learning about money but also because we live in an age of you know you order something at 11 and it could be here by five if you're not actually teaching your kids about 
you know, you work, you earn money, and then you use that money to buy stuff. And then, it, you know, it shows up instantly at the, in the mailbox from Amazon. If you don't show them what you guys have all been mentioning of you then go to an actual store and you only have a certain amount, if you don't teach them stuff, they think everything, they can get anything they want and it'll come instantly. So that's why it's even more important to, to show them how it works. Right. No, that's a good point. Because like you say, it, it does it does become harder when you're not even now, for a lot of us, you're not even physically going to a store and using physical cash. You know, it's you go on your phone, you click three buttons, and like you say, something shows up. I mean, it, it, it's to them, it's it's magic, right? There, there's no thought process to how that whole whole process works. So yeah, I mean, I think to Eric's point, I think the you know, if they have a certain amount of money, give them a budget, talk to them about why how things cost different amounts. If you want something that costs more than you have, well, then maybe you have to save and you have to be patient. And I mean, that's another piece to it is patience in saving towards a goal you know as opposed to just this idea that everything is instant gratification i think that's really important i think you know teaching them about just banking in general and we talked about you know we before we started this we were talking about like when i was a kid and i'm dating myself but when i was a kid i had the the passbook savings account where we'd physically go to the bank and hand them the five dollars or the ten dollars that i got for my birthday and they'd print the little line in the book that said i now had ten dollars more and you know, that was kind of my first experience with the idea of saving, right? Is that you could see that little, the number of, of, you know, how much you had in the account, you could see it go up and they'd give me my eight cents of interest or whatever it was. And, mm-hmm. you know, that was kind of a crazy concept that if I leave it there, they'll actually pay me money to leave my money there. It was just, you know, a, a, a foreign concept. It just didn't make any sense to me, but that's it's also the way it goes. now for a concept again in 2021. <laughs> It was probably the mid '80s. I was probably getting twelve percent. <laughs> <laughs> nice. It was great, but yeah, I mean, I think, and and some banks still have the passbook savings. I think that that you know, tangible, physical thing that you can hold in your hands and say, "This is the my my bank account information" is great. You know, and again, I haven't looked too much into it, but I, I hope that that still exists and it's something you can still do. I- I think that, you know, the first points we talked about with like, you maybe your kids are doing chores and then you give them money in the different buckets. You can start that at a very young age. We're starting now to talk about stuff that might be, you know, more related to when you're in high school or college or whatever. And, you know, one big piece is as you're starting to get those ages and, and doing that stuff is education around, you know, what to invest in, why to invest. You know, we've done some videos in the uh, in the recent past, you know, just about the idea of, if you if you invest some money today versus waiting until you got the big dream job or you started the business and it's all successful, you're actually increasing your chances of, of uh, having more money and living the lifestyle you want. But that's where the idea of Mike talked about opening a bank account. And I think he mentioned earlier, right at 18, he, he uh, opened a Roth IRA and put a little money in it. That's a perfect example of, you know, you put some money into a, an account, you understand what that, you know, what a Roth IRA is, what it means. And that could set you up for, for, you know, your future by just these habits of doing some things when you're young. Along those same lines, you know, a a lot of parents tend to open UTMA accounts for their kids in, you know, the parents just, or or their advisor kind of handles it from, from the second they're born until the, the day that UTMA gets turned over to them. But I think, you know, as kids especially get a little older, maybe 12, 13, 14, start to have them look at the account with you and say like, okay, you know, this is how the account is allocated. We have, 
you know, 80% in equity and 20% in bonds. And, you know, beyond that, it's broken up this way. And this is what we're getting for dividends and interest. And this is our capital gains, etc. Just familiarizing them with the ideas of what can be an investment account. Because obviously, when, when kids first start, they basically just have the concept of cash. Do you want to explain what a, what a UTMA is? Just from the standpoint of we even have some clients that their kids have UTMAs with us, and they know it's they know it's saving for the future, but I was even talking with the client a couple of days ago, and they, they actually thought that it was another form of college savings account versus what it actually is. Right. Yeah. So U- UTMAs are when we kind of talk with them along um, with 529 plans. 529 is education saving specific, so it's it's saving for college tuition in the future, whereas a UTMA is essentially an unrestricted, basically brokerage account that is the kids but the parent manages it until they're 21 in Massachusetts and then the brokerage account gets turned over to the kid and then the kid can do whatever they want with it. So yeah, they're, we see them, you know, clients use them a lot for kind of setting their kids up for either college or, or some other goal in the future. But like I said, we think involvement of the child is pretty important with that. So they start to understand that the value behind it and what their parents are giving them and, and how the whole thing works. Yeah. And, and like you say, I mean, uh, you know, Eric mentioned it, but when I turned 18, my, my mom opened a Roth IRA for me and put a couple of bucks in there. And that was kind of my first, you know, experience with investing. Right. And, you know, I, I actually, I think timing of a lot of this stuff plays a huge role in how you learn about it. Right. And, and, you know, I, I opened that Roth IRA in, in 1999, which was, you know, they, they, the market was going straight up. It was right before the end of the, the dot-com bust, which was, I guess, just over a year later. And that was kind of my first experience with investing, right, is the money went in and it kept going up. Every month I got a statement, I had more money. And I thought it just, it was easy, right? There was, you just put money in and you made more money. It was great. And then the next year, all of a sudden, it kind of went the other way. And by the end of the following year, I had probably, you know, 35% less money than she had originally put in. And you know, it kind of teaches you about how the market works and it kind of teaches you that it's not all that easy. And my, my biggest fear with younger people right now is just the, uh, this whole, you know, gamification of, of investing, right? Is that you can go and open a Robinhood account and invest money and you, you bu- you're supposed to buy individual stocks and they'll go up a couple hundred percent. And, you know, it, it, I read somewhere that the, the, the average younger person fully expects to get between 12 and 15% a year in the stock market. And based on where we are right now, that's, that's not going to happen. I mean, that, that's almost a pipe dream to get that kind of return going forward. So, you know, my, my big concern is that it's kind of going to be the same idea, right? Is that they're all going to start to get into investing at the exact wrong time. The market's going to go down or, or have some sort of bump in the road. And they're all going to immediately decide that, well, investing doesn't work. I'll go back to putting the money in the bank. And, you know, we kind of saw that in 2008, right, is after 2008, there was this whole, you know, generation of people that just kind of lost faith in the stock market and really have not not come back to any great extent since then. And, you know, they've missed out on one of the greatest runs of all time in the stock market, which, you know, usually the good times follow the bad times. But, you know, I, I, I think educating them on how the market works and the fact that there's good years and bad years and the good times don't last forever, but you got to ride it out and all that kind of stuff is going to be 
extremely important. And I, I think, you know, part of that education piece is for, for our clients that listen to this and for non-clients, you know, bring bring your children to your financial advisor and just have them sit in on the meetings. And as you talk about these things, you know, encourage them to ask questions and just in, in some fashion, you know, even if you go to the bank and, and you go to the teller, which is almost non-existent anymore, but have them, you know, witness the transaction, have them just, just expose them to it. It's, that's the biggest piece, kind of getting their feet wet and, and familiarizing them with these terms and what they mean and how it all works. And because if, if you don't do any of that and they get to 18, they're going to be really, really far behind and, and potentially make some decisions that are going to financially affect them for the rest of their lives that are, you know, could be adverse. I think uh, obviously this topic is is uh, raising financially responsible kids, but obviously the parents have to do the teaching along with the advice, you know, potentially an advisor and also the kids want to learn. But to the point you guys are trying to make, this is a very important time for financial education because, you know, of like you were talking about how quick, how easily someone can open an account, they can invest, how they think it works and all that stuff. You know, we as advisors, you know, we we focus on the long term, but I was talking to one of the other advisors yesterday. I said, one of my slight concerns is if we don't educate clients or clients, kids that are doing this stuff now, and the market runs like way up as the economy opens right now. And, and like you said, people start thinking, you know, oh, I can go on Robinhood. These stocks are going to go up 200% or whatever. And then it doesn't. At some point, there's this big like correction but reality it just comes back to where we are say right now and it's like oh no i don't trust it anymore i don't want to do this it's like well we have a financial plan for you we said that over long periods of time in a diversified portfolio we're hoping you know to get you a you know an average historical rate of return you realize even after this huge dip where we still got you that for the last year, two years, three years, five years, 10 years, and actually educating both the clients and kids that 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 you're still on track even when stuff like that happens. We're kind of running short on time, but one last thing that I wanted to mention was, you know, when, when thinking about this last night before we recorded the podcast, one thing that I think also is important is to teach kids how to negotiate, you know, wherein we're in an economy that requires quite a bit of negotiation with basically anything you do. So <laughs> and maybe parents don't want to teach them this and have their kids become good negotiators because <laughs> then they may win some of the battles, but just, you know, teach them how to come to terms with somebody, come to agreement, money or not money related. I think that's, that's fairly important. So, you know, just to, just to kind of recap a lot of the stuff, I think, you know, there's a lot of things you can do to help kids kind of get, get a little better at money management early and we talked about a few of them, right? Open a bank account in their name, teach them how to account for money and how money works and how, how it translates into, into purchasing power. I think, you know, we talked about uh, earlier before the podcast, I mean, a lemonade stand, opening a lemonade stand as a kid is, you know, post-pandemic, I guess, but is one of the best things they can do, right? It teaches them about how transactions work, how money works, how business works. You know, it, it seems silly, but it really is a great learning opportunity for the kids, I think, you know, a few other minor things is when they're 18 or even before that, if you can, if you can add them as an authorized user on a credit card or something like that and give them a, a very low limit, start building their credit for them or help them start building their credit. Teach them how important that is, that, you know, protecting your credit, especially at that age, 
can totally change their financial outlook, right? Mortgage rates, student loan rates, credit card rates, like all these things tie into your credit. And if you have really good credit as a young person, that can translate into the rest of your life. Learn more um, about that uh, back in season one, if you want to go back there. You have a whole episode on credit scores. On, on credit rating, exactly. But yeah, like I say, I think, you know, these are not things that people are, that kids are going to know to do on their own. So they're things that, you know, as parents, we just have to kind of try to help them with and teach them about. And, you know, like I say, hopefully it interests them and they learn more about it and it translates into financial success later on. Couldn't have said it any better. Hopefully people can pull some stuff away from it and, and kind of incorporate it into their own lives. So we will see you again next time for another discussion on the book we are all reading 2030. But until then, stay safe and we'll talk to you soon. Bye. Financers is produced and edited by Sachetta and Callahan, LLC. All disclosures are posted to our website at sachetta.com forward slash financers. S-A-C-H-E-T-T-A dot com forward slash F-I-N-E-A-N-S-W-E-R-S. Thanks for listening.